From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, taking the ambiguity out of testing for giant cell arteritis. So we know that an elevated sedimentation rate is what most people use for temporal arteritis. We know that an elevated CRP can be used because it's more sensitive but less specific. And so since temporal arteritis is such a devastating disease, most of us believe that you should check both tests. And if either one is positive, that is the highest sensitivity. Indeed, in our study, we found that the sensitivity using both together was 99%. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Miller declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. Did you know that you can get every episode of As Seen From Here as soon as it comes out and without ever having to visit a website? It's called subscribing and it's free. Each week, subscribers get As Seen From Here automatically loaded onto their iPods, MP3 players, and computers by using a program called a podcatcher. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the How Do I Listen button. Subscribing only takes a minute. Free podcatchers are available for Windows, Macintosh, and Linux computers. I put links to download an excellent podcatcher on the How Do I Listen page of asseenfromhere.com. Then, within hours of my podcasting an episode, you'll have it too. In so much of ophthalmology, immediate diagnosis is unnecessary. Cataracts, macular degeneration, diabetic retinopathy, even glaucoma produce no immediate sequelae if diagnosis is delayed. Compare these with giant cell arteritis, in which diagnosis delayed by only a day can yield bilateral blindness, myocardial infarction, stroke, and even death. However, therapy in the form of hefty steroids carries substantial risk and is not prescribed without some consideration. Temporal artery biopsy is the authoritative diagnostic procedure, but usually cannot be performed acutely, and it is for this reason that laboratory testing, as imperfect as it is, is so valuable. But what if the tests are negative or ambiguous? To make this all lucid, it is my pleasure to welcome Neil Miller as my guest. How common is visual loss in giant cell arteritis? I don't know that anybody really knows that. I mean, um, giant cell arteritis can have a number of manifestations, and visual loss is one. But whether it is in 10% or 50%, I don't know that anybody knows. It's, it's not uncommon but I don't know of any statistics. There probably are some out there. It all depends. The problem is that most everybody has a biased practice. That is, for an ophthalmologist, um, we see only the people who, or pretty much only the people who do have visual loss. So we don't really, you know, you, you, for my, in my setting, visual loss occurs in about 95% of the patients I see with giant cell arteritis. Overall, I honestly don't know. The two major laboratory tests are erythrocyte sedimentation rate and CRP. Sure. How common is a normal erythrocyte sedimentation rate in giant cell arteritis? It's very rare. Um, about, it's said about 1% to 2% of patients um, have a normal sedimentation rate. In our study, however, um, the 
sensitivity of the sedimentation rate was somewhere between 75 and 85 percent depending on which of two formulas were used. So in fact, the sedimentation rate sensitivity um, was only 25, 15 to 25%. That is to say that 25% of the time, somebody with biopsy-proven temporal arteritis had a normal sedimentation rate. What about CRP? How common is a normal CRP in giant cell arteritis? It's very rare. Um, the the, in our study, the CRP had a sensitivity of 97.5%. That means only 2.5% of patients with biopsy-proven temporal arteritis had a normal CRP. Now, are there differences in the latency in the elevation of these lab tests? Do sedimentation rate and CRP become elevated at different points in the development of giant cell arteritis? Well, that's the theory. Um, the CRP is a, they're both acute phase reactants. That is, they rise when there's tissue injury. But C-reactive protein rises by, at least the experts say, it rises very rapidly. So it generally will rise before the sedimentation rate will. Your paper investigates whether it's possible to have an elevated erythrocyte sedimentation rate in a normal CRP. Are there pathologies other than giant cell arteritis that can produce this picture? Yeah, um, and, and in fact, that's the whole problem, is that we've been talking about sensitivity. How sensitive is SEDRATE to diagnose giant cell arteritis? How sensitive is the CRP? But you have to also look at specificity. That is, when a CRP is elevated, how often is that elevation not due to temporal arteritis. And for most things, the more the sensitivity, the higher the sensitivity, the lower the specificity. And you can, you can manipulate, manipulate those things depending on what your screening is. For instance, um, we use as the gold standard of temporal arteritis, this isn't exactly answering your question, but it gets to the point sooner or later. Um, we use the, we say that the sensitivity of sedimentation rate is 15 to, is uh, 85 to 75 to 85 percent. That's pretty sensitive, and if it's elevated and not in temporal arteritis, it's moderately un, unusual. Um, people with uh, cancer, for instance, may have an elevated sedimentation rate. People with um, other types of vascular inflammations, uh, such as uh, periarteritis or polyarteritis nodosa, Churg-Strauss, there are a number of vasculitides, small vessel vasculitis, granulomatous vasculitis. Um, CRP is even less specific. That is to say, many, many, many different things can elevate the CRP. And so that's sort of what we were getting at with our study. Our idea was that the hypothesis that we had was that since the CRP elevates early in the course of a disorder, if you have a patient with an, a normal sedimentation rate and an elevated, I'm sorry, a normal CRP and an elevated sedimentation rate, that would not be temporal arteritis. So we know that an elevated sedimentation rate is what most people use for 
temporal arteritis. We know that an elevated CRP can be used because it's more sensitive but less specific. And so since temporal arteritis is such a devastating disease, most of us believe that you should check both tests. And if either one is positive, that is the highest sensitivity. Indeed, in our study, we found that the sensitivity using both together was 99%. So 99% of the time, if you had a patient that you did a sedimentation rate and a, and a CRP, and one or the other or both was elevated, we would have a diagnosis. But the question we asked was, what if there is a normal CRP but an elevated sed rate? That doesn't really fit the theory of what a CRP does and how fast it does it. Maybe that tells you it is not temporal arteritis. That is, it's something else. But in fact, there were two patients in our series, or 1.7%, that did in fact have that. They had a normal CRP despite an elevated sed rate, and it was elevated to two different formulas that we used. Can I have you describe the design of your study? Well, basically, what we did was to look at patients from multiple centers. We had like six centers that participated in the study. And what we did was to first have them identify um, every patient at their institution with biopsy-proven temporal arteritis. We then had them look at the um, records of the patient to see which of those patients had a pretreatment CRP and sedimentation rate. And then we looked at all those patients to, uh, I'm sorry, we looked to see, well, that they had it, and then we looked to see what the CRP and the SED rate were in those patients. And we were, we had 119 patients from the uh, six uh, medical centers who had temporal artery biopsies, positive for giant cell arteritis, and then, and also had pretreatment SED rates and CRPs. And we then graded the SED rate as normal or abnormal based on two different formulas. And the CRP graded as normal or abnormal based on criteria in the literature and our own laboratory here at Johns Hopkins. And then we compared what the sensitivity and specificity of the CRP well, we couldn't do the specificity because we don't we don't have the other. We only have we're only dealing with posit- patients who are positive for temporal arteritis. Right. There was no control group to the study. That's correct. You mentioned two formulas for erythrocyte sedimentation rate. How did you define a normal sedimentation rate? Well, the standard sort of time-honored formula is one by another Dr. Miller. Um, from some years ago in the British uh, Medical Journal, I think. And it's a very simple formula. The top normal for men is the age divided by 2, and the top normal for women is the age plus 10, and that that uh, uh, combination divided by 2, or the age plus 5, if you wish, and or age over 2 divided uh, plus 5. 
And um, so that's the standard formula that most people use. It's easy to remember. It means that a man who's 60, top normal sed rate is 30. A woman who's 60, top normal sed rate is 35. Now, a few years ago, uh, Sohan Singhere, who is the uh, very well-known expert in vascular, ocular vascular disease at the University of Iowa, came up with a much more complicated but somewhat similar uh, formula. And um, it, it's, well, it's basically complicated. It's 17.3 plus the age times 0 0.18. Those two figures are added together, and that's the top normal for men. The top normal for women is 22.1 plus the age times 0 0.18. And that's a little bit more, um, it's a, it actually is a little bit, it turns out a little bit lower for, uh, sense, uh, lower value for top normal. So it's a little more sensitive and a little less specific for temporal arteritis. And we used both of those formulas just to see how close we would get. What constituted a normal CRP? A normal CRP was graded uh, by zero anything above 0 0.5. That's the in milligrams per deciliter. That's basically the what, if you look in the literature for a standard CRP, virtually all laboratories, including our own, say that if it's greater than 0 0.5, then it is abnormal. What were your main outcome measures for this study? Well, the outcome measure was basically um, the percentage of patients with um, a, our primary outcome measure was the percentage of patients with a normal CRP despite an elevated sedimentation rate. And our hypothesis was that we wouldn't have any because if you, if, if you you believe what everybody says, the CRP rises prior to the uh, rise of the SED rate. So if the SED rate is already elevated, you would expect the CRP to be elevated as well. And we know that both can be negative, but we and we know that the CRP can be elevated, but the SED rate normal. That all made sense. But what, and we know that both can be elevated. So three of the four possibilities were, were already known. What nobody had looked at is, is it possible for the CRP, which supposedly rises ahead of the, t of the SED rate, very responsive to any sort of tissue injury, could the CRP be actually normal despite evidence of tissue injury by the elevated SED rate? That, so primary, out, sorry, primary outcome was the percentage of patients with normal CRP and elevated SED rate. Secondary outcome wa outcomes were the elevated CRP, elevated SED rate, or uh, elevated SED rate and normal, uh, I'm sorry, either elevated SED rate and elevated CRP, or a normal SED rate and a normal CRP, or a normal SED rate and an elevated CRP. That is the other three possibilities. In your study population, how many biopsy-positive giant cell arteritis patients had normal SED rates? 
91 of the 119 patients had an elevated SED rate according to the first formula that, that Miller did with just the age over 2 or the age plus 10 over 2, and that was our sensitivity of 76.5%, whereas 102 of the 119 patients had an elevated SED rate according to Hayray's formula, and that, as I said, that's a slightly lower number, so it makes for a higher sensitivity of 85.7%. Now, overall, for the total study population, how many had normal CRP levels? Three of them. 116 of the 19 had an elevated CRP, so only three had a normal CRP. Were there any patients who were normal on both tests? Yeah, one, one patient had normal, uh, both of them were normal, and two patients had an elevated SED rate with a normal CRP. Which was your main outcome measure? That was a primary outcome. For the patients with normal CRPs and elevated SED rates, was there anything special about these patients? Well, not that we could tell. Our, our real, it's a really good question, and we didn't look at that specifically. That is, we didn't look at the clinical presentation or the manifestations of these people. So we don't really know. In fact, one of the co-authors said that we should really look at that aspect next, is to look at the, the clinical manifestations and whether there was anything different about how these people presented. And we really didn't look at that in, in detail. The one person who had a normal sedimentation rate and a normal CRP had a long history of, of uh, depression and dementia, but she had standard features of giant cell arteritis, right-sided temple tenderness and painless loss of vision in the right eye. And um, so, you know, this was, a, this was the situation. Now, the two patients with, um, with the normal CRP uh, and elevated SED rate, we really don't know much about. Since CRP is an acute phase reactant with a rise that is believed to be faster than that for the sedimentation rate. Is it possible that the patients with elevated sedimentation rates and normal CRPs were simply being diagnosed later in the course of their giant cell arteritis? Well, that doesn't really make sense. I mean, it, it, it is, flies in the face of what you just said. If they're being diagnosed later in the course, one would expect both the CRP and the SED rate to be elevated, not for the CRP to be normal. Is the CRP has had more time to be elevated, and then the SED rate becomes elevated. So I don't see the, how that would make sense. My point with this question was that even though CRP rises faster, there's no reason to believe that it's going to dip over time. That's correct. Yeah, once it rises, the only thing that should make it come back to normal, if you, if you postulate that it rose early and you missed the rise, you po further the unstated postulate is that it goes back down. But in fact, assuming that there's continued tissue injury, which of course there is because it's an ongoing inflammation, I, the only thing that would make either of those phase reactants go back to normal would be treatment. And these patients had all been, none of these patients were under treatment at the time that the SED rate and the CRP were measured. Since this finding of a normal CRP in the context of an elevated sedimentation rate was very uncommon in your study population, could it 
be the case that in fact these two patients were in essence negative for both their sedimentation and their CRP and in fact had an elevated sedimentation rate for the reason of some other pathology? Certainly possible. Uh, we don't know that there was any other pathology involved, but it's an interesting possibility that somehow they were, uh, that in fact the sed rate was elevated for some other reason, and these were really people who under normal circumstances would have had normal sed rate and normal CRP, and the sed rate was elevated for another reason. We have no reason to suspect that, but it's certainly a possibility. Given your findings that the sensitivity for CRP is really substantially higher than it is for erythrocyte sedimentation rate, is there any advantage to assaying the sedimentation rate with the CRP as opposed to just assaying the CRP by itself? Well, I think that's a great question. The increase in sensitivity when we look at CRP alone versus CRP and SED rate went from about 97.5% to 99%. That's a very small increment. On the other hand, temporal arteritis is such a devastating disease that the fact is that you don't want to miss it. Now, you know, having said all that, temporal arteritis is still a clinical diagnosis. I mean, what we emphasize to clinicians, whether they're ophthalmologists or internists or primary care physicians, is that you have to ask the right questions. Is there jaw pain? Is there ear pain? Is there scalp tenderness? Is there temple tenderness? Are they having fevers that nobody can figure out? Are they having migratory arthralgias? And if the answer is yes, I think what we've shown is you go ahead no matter what. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that the SED rate may be elevated in the CRP normal, the SED rate may be elevated in the CRP elevated, both may be normal. The fact is that it's still a clinical diagnosis. And what we were trying to determine is, could you with any high degree of certainty, high enough that you would not risk the patient's life from cardiac involvement of giant cell arteritis or, or um uh, intracranial involvement, let alone visual involvement, could you say when a patient came in with some uh, funny sorts of symptoms or signs, could you say, well, this patient has an elevated SED rate but a normal CRP, there's no way that this is temporal arteritis, let's look for some other cause like cancer, for instance, or like you know, some other vasculitis perhaps? And the answer is no, you can't afford to do it even though it's so unusual. Meaning that you can't afford to not start steroids, um, even if, if you decide to work up the patient for some potential secondary pathology. Unless there's, you have to, you have to I, I don't want to go all out and say you've got to start steroids in everybody. I do think that if you are considering a diagnosis of temporal arteritis and there is no contraindication to steroid use, then I think it behooves the physician to start steroids and do a temporal artery biopsy as soon as possible. So just to make this point perfectly clear, elevated sedimentation rate, elevated CRP, elevated sedimentation rate, normal CRP, normal sedimentation rate, elevated CRP, and normal on both tests, all of, of these four possibilities, excuse me, none of these four possibilities is inconsistent with giant cell arteritis. Precisely.
Neil, do you have any recommendations or comments about giant cell arteritis generally? Well, I think the only issue is that um, that it ought to be considered in any elderly patient who has visual loss. We are used to thinking of patients with giant cell arteritis presenting with either anterior or retrobulbar ischemic optic neuropathy. And that is certainly by far the most common ocular presentation. But patients can develop central retinal artery occlusions. They can develop retinal ischemia. They can develop, and, and they can have other symptoms such as double vision, either from damage to uh, cranial nerves, the ocular motor nerves, or from uh, ischemic damage to the muscles. So that I think that uh, a friend of mine many years ago had a slide that had a big E on it, and it said every elderly patient should have an ESR. Now, we've expanded that to CRPs, as we've been talking about, but the fact is that any patient who's at least over the age of 60 or over, and even in their, their higher 50s, when they have funny sorts of visual symptoms, you need to think of giant cell arteritis, and you need to ask the questions. And I think perhaps that's the most important issue, is number one, to think about temporal arteritis in older patients with visual difficulties, and number two, to ask the questions. The patients haven't read the books. They don't know to tell the ophthalmologist who is examining them for loss of vision or for double vision or for pain in the eye or whatever, that they've been having headaches or they've been to the dentist because somebody thinks they have TMJ syndrome or they can't brush their hair because they have scalp tenderness. They don't know about those symptoms. So the ophthalmologist's responsibility is to ask them, do you have jaw pain, ear pain, scalp tenderness, etc.? Neil, thank you very much. Sure, Josh. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Neil Miller is professor of ophthalmology, neurology, and neurosurgery, and the Frank B. Walsh Professor of Neuroophthalmology at the Wilmer Eye Institute of the Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. His paper, Prevalence of a Normal C-Reactive Protein with an Elevated Erythrocyte Sedimentation Rate in Biopsy-Proven Giant Cell Arteritis, is in press in ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Miller or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines. In the United States, dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.